and welcome to Pali, the Hindu's audio podcast on contentious issues of the day. And this is your host, Ramya Kanan. For the past two years, the world has focused nearly exclusively on COVID-19 infections and the attendant side effects. Just as it seems as if we have slid back into normalcy, there are now reports of infections climbing across the world, but more pertinently for us in Delhi and Maharashtra. In today's Pali, we discuss whether the rising numbers are a precursor of the next wave or the fourth wave of COVID and what we have to do to be prepared and to ensure that we minimize death and disability as a consequence of an infection. To discuss this with us today, are two eminent experts who have been at the vanguard of COVID containment and response in this country right from the very beginning of the pandemic. We have with us Dr. J. Radhakrishnan, the Dynamic Health Secretary of Tamil Nadu, who has been leading from the front line of COVID control in the state, an implementer on the field, and Dr. Prabdeep Kaur, Deputy Director of the NIE, an ICMR institution based in Chennai and a solid public health expert who has been part of the task force on COVID, advising governments on various aspects. I welcome you both to this parley. The first question we have naturally is whether the rising numbers in the rest of the country in Delhi and particularly Maharashtra are any precursor to whether we are going to have a second COVID wave because uh, from our experience in the past, we know that uh, that is how the epidemic has progressed in this country at least. Uh, Dr. Radhakrishnan, would you like to take that first and then we'll go on to Dr. Prabhupada. Uh, thanks, uh, Ramayana. First of all, it's a privilege to also have uh, our medical expert committee member, Dr. Prabhupada Kaur, who in the very, very tight, uh, tough days has been you know, uh, pushing for all the public health measures, uh, time-tested public health, ultimately uh, proved to be right. You know, that's the way we should have gone ahead. As far as this <clears throat> difficult question goes of, you know, whether a next wave will come or not, uh, it all depends on the type of uh, subvariant or the variant which comes through. And second, the level of immunity, because, you know, we, one, we had 88% zero positivity, both on account of infections and recovery from infections, and also on rapidly increasing the vaccination, unlike May. May where our vaccination levels are abysmal and also oh, infection levels, probably many were not infected. So uh, our guess is, uh, that, you know, we need to be guarded. We just cannot be overconfident that there can be no way because uh, last time I remember January, February of 2021, uh, people were a lot, uh, particularly I'm not telling public health expert always advise caution, they were overconfident. On the other hand, I personally feel that, you know, unless there's a Delta kind of variant, uh, and also keeping in mind that uh, the vaccination has been over a period of a long time. So there will be varying levels of immunity. 
so it may not be as any rises may not be as bad as it was in uh, uh, may that is my first point but having said that what we need to look at is testing everybody in all uh, settings now what has happened is there is a rapid decline in people subjecting themselves to test and uh, probably that is one thing second what we need to be careful is wherever locationally there is doubling Uh, for example if you look at delhi the way the cases have gone up so probably even in uh, chennai or the neighboring districts now it is varying between 10 and 20 but you know sometimes it comes down but suppose consistently over a period of wave it starts any district or for that one group of districts start showing such a trend then it is a warning sign probably it is not just omicron ba1 and ba2 we have 93% ba2 now 100% omicron maybe something else has happened so for that we have to do genomic sequencing on a regular basis which is being done this is my preliminary remark of course you know we have expert here we should also hear what they say because they have been giving us even during the third wave Uh, some very good guidances came from national institute of epidemiology right thank you for that uh, overall perspective it's like you know provided a birds eye view of the scenario today can i ask dr pradeep to chime in now and uh, give us a sort of a pan india perspective on this uh, so called uh, next wave what is the icmr's uh, prediction on this so um thank you doctor uh, thank you dr radhakrishnan for your uh, very very elaborate comments and you really set the stage for this discussion and thanks ramya for the opportunity uh, i would I, i would agree first of all with dr radhakrishnan on the fact that uh, we need to sort of keep looking for any change in the pattern i think that's the most important thing in epidemiology we say uh whenever we are finding any newer clusters uh clustering of cases in populations where we do not expect it to be there or if we look at persistent increase in the cases in any particular district or a number of districts then we need to worry about it going by uh, the pattern we have had in the past you are right that delhi and maharashtra usually show up the trends first and the other states follow and going by that i i do uh, believe that it's likely that we may also see some upsurge in cases however to what extent we need to worry about it is a totally different issue uh, it could mean it could mean that we need to uh, improve our surveillance i think this is the most important thing both epidemiological surveillance as well as genomic surveillance but whether we need to uh, restrict any activities or whether uh, we need to worry about increase in hospitalization i think it's very premature to say any of that i'll stop with that and uh, we can elaborate more as we move on yeah sure 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 there are questions that come up that will uh, touch upon these aspects so um maybe as a public health expert as an epidemiologist i will direct this question to dr kaur first um do we expect this wave if it comes and if uh, if it is likely to be a wave to be a domination of the xe uh, given our context given the indian context uh, primarily uh yeah thanks ramya that is a very important question uh, we know that most of uh, at least 
from whatever genomic surveillance data has been released by uh, various Indian institutions. We know the BA1 was predominant and now it's moved to BA2. So currently with the Insagog, Insagog uh, network of labs in place, I think we are in a very good position to know when the variant changes in our population. Going by the international trends, as you have seen in other countries like China, Thailand, and uh, several other countries, UK as well, uh, we do know that uh, there, is, there is a change in variant. The new uh, variant is replacing uh, BA1, BA2. And the same is likely to happen in India as well. And uh, we just need to keep a close watch. But as far as whatever limited understanding we have, because the it's it's for a very short period that this new variant is <clears throat> sort of becoming predominant. So we have very limited data about it. But uh, what we know is that it has a very rapid growth and uh, high transmissibility. Uh, so that is something uh, we need to keep in mind. Uh, yes, so we know that these patterns as far as COVID is concer concerned are very global. So whatever we, we get to see in one part of the world, over a period of time, it happens in other parts of the world. So going by that, yes, uh, I do believe that XC may be the next variant, which may uh, replace older variants in times to come. So I don't know whether Dr. Alakrishnan may be able to add on whether any data is available from locally from Tamil Nadu, because I know uh, samples are being analyzed on a very uh, regular basis from the state. Tamil Nadu actually has a good uh, surveillance project. So if you can let us know, you know, uh, you did mention briefly about the uh, percentage of uh, variants that are in play. But if you can just elaborate a little more, I guess the same will be true of the rest of the country as well, because Tamil Nadu is also a bellwether state, as we have noticed. Yes, Dr. Radhakrishnan. Dr. Pradeep Kaur has, you know, hit the nail on the head. See, so far, you know, we when we do January to March data or historic data, I personally feel the latest data is very important. From out of, you know, 2624 samples which we analyzed between January to March, March Omicron variant was 94.7. Delta still was around 2.7 and uh, uh, this was 2.6, that is uh, uh, other variants. But when we go back to that in between uh, our uh, Omicron variants, uh, BA2 uh, ultimately with regard to uh, January, BA1 was, uh, that's the way she was mentioning that the dominance has shifted from BA1. Now in March, almost 94, 93% are BA2 variant and BA1.1 uh, is 10. So that's the kind of, you know, of course, we do have BA1.1 and BA1. But having said that, I fully agree that, you know, we really need to be careful when we get this recombinant kind of uh, thing. Clinically so far, you know, ultimately we have to be worried about whether clinical changes are there. Delta rapidly affected the lungs, you know, rapid uh, uh, desaturation took place. So far, all these cases which we have been, you know, uh, so far as on date, only 232 patients are uh, active and uh, hardly less than 10 are in hospitals and nobody is in ICU. That's a good sign. But the same thing was happening in January last time, January 2021. And uh, slowly when Delta crept in, it was a very rapid spread. So we are taking as advised by National Institute of Epidemiology, randomly taking and the ICMR in particular, 
taking samples not only there was a family cluster two individual families we had a cluster in chennai then subsequently we are also looking at other sources and uh, you know uh, totally young man getting it those kind of thing we are taking the samples and having a watch and uh, those returning from travel and reporting so far uh, nothing alarming has come and no xe variant has come but we have to keep our fingers crossed we cannot uh, sit back and say so far so every day is a new day the main concern at the implementation level is uh, rapid abandonment of uh, both the pillars in which we succeeded one pillar was uh, you know uh, adherence to mask and social distance and uh, this thing especially when the wave was going up it was very good the second pillar was unlike may we rapidly started improving our vaccination levels so there we have distinctly seen a apathy coming in 1.37 crore people who are eligible for second dose are avoiding that's first point second is even among comorbid elderly around 30 lakh out of the total 40 lakh yet to take first doses it's very romantic to tell 92 to 3% have taken first dose and 77% have taken second dose but who has not taken who have not taken they are the people who will be sitting ducks and especially the elderly irrespective of the waves have been very badly affected comorbid has been affected children of course have recurrent so both on the clinical side also we are not letting down the garden we are saying that while we may not require these pets but to keep it careful people need to be cautious they need not be alarmed or you know worried about restrictions everybody says that you know uh, restrictions should be the last uh, record that is not what any government would love to uh, push for but we need to be guarded that you know in the crowds like we had recent crowds in several places apart from you know markets and uh, malls and all in other places not having mask is a very big risk even one case of a different variant could probably uh, you know spread so that is where we are saying that you know we were too a bit tamil nadu people are a bit hasty in declaring that you know we have seen the last of covid and uh, my experience with covid is every time it has come out with a newer variant and unless we are cautious and uh, slightly uh, humble in what we have achieved so far realize that you know public cooperation was very important in forming public health measures uh, we may be in for a surprise like what is happening in some of the northern states because of positivity we are more not worried about the number in north the positivity in delhi has gone to 7.7 almost 8 from less than 0.5 just a few weeks earlier so this is the rapidity that is why we are watching the doubling rate you know that will be the critical factor rather than isolated individual days right uh, thank you that was uh, very uh, enlightening uh dr uh, pradeep kaur i was just you know i would like to ask a you know classic you know humdinger it's 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 a public health humdinger so if you look at the at what we've seen in the last couple of years uh when we say that the transmissibility is high uh isn't a three month period sufficient for us to determine why are we still saying that we don't know much about the xc variant while it was described as we know uh, in january in the uk um shouldn't we if it, we are still saying that it might be 10% uh, there might be a high higher 10% chance of uh, transmit transmitting the virus um is there a reason why we are not sure yet we have had 3 months to study it and usually uh, these patterns are evident within 3 months aren't they 
very good question, Ramya. Uh, I agree with you. I think the point is at like as far as COVID is concerned now, when we look at uh, response, when we we are trying to look at response, either public health response or clinical care, which is required, or any of the other measures that we need to do at a broader level, right? So uh, what we need to keep in mind is that there are certain characteristics of the variant which determine uh, whether we do certain things or we don't do certain things. So I think what has happened is since this variant uh, did not show any such characteristics which changed the course of interventions that were going on, Right, because uh, already uh, whatever measures we have initiated for Omicron seem to be appropriate for this variant as well. So I think that is why uh, there is not too much talk about uh, its nature and whether it's very different. Because we know that uh, we we have all have experienced Omicron and this seems to be quite similar and the measures are going to be very similar. So that's why I think the focus has more been on uh, what can be done to reduce infections and to make sure that the vulnerable groups are protected. And, um, and we keep watching very carefully whether uh, variant is changing further uh, or becoming more uh, uh, increasing case fatality or causing any kind of excess uh, uh, hospitalizations, right? So since none of that has been observed or documented, the focus has remained on the same measures which were already initiated, which is promoting boosters, ensuring that masking continues, and doing very good surveillance. I will again emphasize as an epidemiologist that surveillance is really the key. So uh, we don't need to see uh, uh, infections will come and go, variants will come and go, but surveillance is something that has to be very strong and it has to continue at all levels at the level of uh, symptomatics, like making sure we are detecting the people with symptoms uh, in the outpatient, detecting the people with symptoms in when they are hospitalized, and then tracking whether that pattern is changing. So I think that's what all the countries are focusing on now. And I hope that we can also uh, keep our focus on, on, this, on those same uh, interventions at the level of uh, uh, at all levels. That's what I want to emphasize because I feel that we have become a little bit lax with that. Since uh, we know, since vaccination improved and a lot of people also had natural infection, we feel that maybe we don't need to worry about it. But we, we must keep looking uh, if there is an increase in hospitalization of people with fever and respiratory symptoms, if there is excess number of people coming to GP clinics or our primary healthcare centers with the symptoms suggestive of uh, COVID. And that pattern will really tell us if anything different is happening around us, in addition to, of course, genomic surveillance. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. I would just like to ask uh, Dr. Radhakrishnan, you say this at every meeting, literally, that, you know, uh, on the public health measures, basically masking and distancing and, you know, hand hygiene and all that at uh, every meeting we've heard you say this. Can you sort of repeat it again? Because I think um, for what are the measures that we can do in order, simple measures that people can do in order to sort of 
you know, build this uh, sort of fortress against the infection itself. Uh, see, one I would fully agree with Dr. Pradeep Kaur is that, you know, two areas of immediate focus would be that, you know, testing all the symptomatic people. There is a general tendency, particularly post-Omicron after the wave came down, uh, that, you know, it's a general code, let us leave it. That should not be the policy. You know, we have to test apart from, you know, contacts and extended contacts and workplace and all. But we really need to focus on people with symptoms. So that instructions we have been giving to all the deputy directors and also deans that anybody with a symptom has to be tested. Let us not ignore it and say it's a general cold. That's one. Second is that, you know, we have been repeatedly looking at reducing mortality. Omicron was a comparatively a better uh, scenario because of uh, uh, you know, lesser severity and all. But even here, the boosters, you know, now most of them have uh, uh, more than nine months, uh, uh, the levels of those who got immunized, uh, the levels would have gone down. So on boosters also, there is a bit of casualness and I am more worried about the elderly comorbid. No, uh, that is where even if you look at Shanghai, the three people who ultimately they have said they have passed away yesterday are all 89, 90, 91. And I was distinctly looking at the pattern of deaths in the during the Omicron period also, mostly they were all elderly, not vaccinated, uh, or even if vaccinated, elderly comorbid. So this is one area. As far as our regular challenges is concerned, regular challenges with regard to need to respect the public health measures, uh, that is uh, uh, very much, uh, you know, has to be in place. We just cannot, you know, hastily abandon these public health measures and think that, you know, there. and we need to understand it's a very important hindrance for the virus to move. In a crowd, if somebody else is positive also, if we had been masked, there have been several locations where we ourselves have recruited, you know, I was casual, but later I found my neighbor uh, without mask. So these are not just measures post-COVID. It was also widely informed during swine flu. It was uh, propagated, but people tend to rapidly forget the importance and relevance of this uh, non-medical measures, which are very important, very important. Plus, of course, classical clinical management and uh, uh, you know, a syndromic kind of approach where anybody gets tested because testing facilities are quite high augmented, adequate free testing is available. Now there is no huge rush also. People need not really panic. They need to follow what they have done earlier. And we need to emphasize and as bureaucrats and administrators at cutting edge level, just like our honorable chief minister keep on telling, keep reminding, Others should not say that this is, a, a, you know, looking at a river, rear view mirror, it has gone back. We don't have, that is, is uh, anywhere in public health, uh, uh, caution is far better than overconfidence. Yeah, that's, I think, very well said. <laughs> um, Dr. Pradeep Kaur, you have been, uh, you know, leading some efforts to study the, the condition, the status of masking in cities. And um, the other aspect that you have been focusing on is to advise governments on whether it is okay to open up and to what level we can open up the economy. We have realized over the last two years that there has been a great impact because of closure and lockdown on the economy itself and it has started to revive as of now. So uh, in this context, do you think in case we have a wave, of course, uh, we are uh, uh, focusing on a possibility only, in case we have a wave, uh, would you recommend a closure, uh, restrictions, etc.? 
very valid question, Ramya. I'll go one by one through two issues that you mentioned. We have been monitoring the mask use in Chennai city. Uh, we assume that uh, that you know it's it's surveillance is very important and it's to understand people' behaviors and how they are changing over time. And what we observed was that uh, mask use declined in the later half of 2020. And thereafter, uh, after Delta wave came in the around March, April, uh, exactly this time last year, actually the mask use went up in Chennai. Uh, and subsequently, again, later part of the year, around the festive season, when we did our surveys, we found that it further declined. So what we understand from that is that people seem to be responding to uh, whatever uh, they are hearing from media and various sources, right? So the mask use is not constant. Uh, it, it does vary depending on increase in cases and decline in cases. So this is what we have learned. So I think uh, what, what, how we can use this information is that informing people when the cases are increasing and uh, doing more awareness through various uh, modes of communication that we can. Uh, we, we, we do know that at any point of time, only around one third of the people wore masks correctly, covering their nose and mouth. So uh, again, two third did not. <laughs> so uh, how much ever we might try, we know that masking will not uh, alone will not be effective. So therefore, as Dr. Adhikrishnan said, I think the second dose and boosters are very important. And I, I'm particularly concerned about uh, elderly who might not have taken second dose. So we need to, again, I think, use this uh, this time when cases are still not high to aggressively educate the public that if they haven't taken their second dose, they should do it immediately. And if they haven't taken booster, if they're eligible for booster and they haven't taken booster, they should take it as early as they can. So I think masking and vaccination is really the best tools we have. So uh, we should... Uh, advocate masking, especially in the closed spaces, in places where a large number of people are coming together, where the ventilation is poor. Uh, it could be in the shopping areas, malls. It could be people coming together in big functions because now we know there is no restriction on the numbers. And if they, have, if they are vulnerable and they have any health problems, they should not really go to these places without a mask. So that's about masks and vaccination. The second part that you asked is about when to put restriction. I think now we have a very good idea. We have reasonably good idea uh, when to put restrictions and what restrictions are required. We have learned a lot over the past two years. And uh, we are continuously monitoring. So every week we analyze the data which is there in the public domain, which is released by government of Tamil Nadu. And we look at certain key indicators such as what is the change in the cases, week to week change in the cases in various districts of Tamil Nadu. We look at test positivity and we also look at bed occupancy. So uh, what, what we have seen over time is that it's not that all of a sudden you just need to close down everything. Uh, it does uh, take time for all these indicators to change. And it, in fact, gives us sufficient time to respond in terms of what measures we need to put in place. So as of now, I think we are doing fine and there is no need for any restrictions. Uh, 
but we must uh, keep monitoring these indicators very carefully. And uh, what we have learned is that the extreme measures are really the last option and we may not need to do them. But if there is a concern and these indicators suggest that uh, there is very rapid transmission, we need to initially think of measures such as enforcing mass compliance, uh, reducing crowding, and uh, maybe you know restricting the gathering size. So those are the kind of measures which may be required initially. And the very extreme measures such as lockdown, I don't think we will require that at all, given that we have uh, a large proportion of uh, population which is vaccinated or has had a recent natural infection. Uh, and secondly, we also have a very good health um, uh, facilities available in our hospitals. And we know that uh, uh, those kind of measures will really not be needed, most likely. As an implementer, literally ground level operator, uh, Dr. Radhakrishnan, uh, do you think there will be issues with uh, shutting down? You have seen yourself how the economy has you know, really floundered. Uh, what level of restrictions do you think we would be able to accommodate this time if we have to? Then? See, one may know there is a large amount of learning has come compared to what we did in the uh, beginning of COVID. And we have been constantly guided by the public health expertise, both national and international. And uh, they are very clear. The latest instructions are uh, that, you know, you need to look at the test positivity and the hospital bed occupancy and the rate of spread. Uh, I think uh, uh, it has become very scientific. Second is we are constantly looking at the drills like army that, you know, even though the beds are not under use, oxygen concentrator is not under use, oxygen tanks are very limited to being used, or ventilators. So whether they are functional, whether things are adequately prepared. So at present, uh, I would personally feel that, you know, it is not a stage where we need to look at uh, the extremes. But definitely we need to understand that uh, the common sense issues, such as, you know, masking in a crowded area, you have people coughing, but then not covering their thing. They need to be alert. Maybe they're having just a routine cough, but uh, we have to be caught. If somebody has a fever, instead of coming to oh, the workplace or a school, he needs to get, get treated, for which surveillance is very important. Those kind of basics we need to do. Like not only state, I think world over, we have gained a lot of experience in how to handle this with a bit more confidence by going classically. I, uh, the biggest lesson is, uh, I think Dr. Pradeep Kaur is also aware, initially, you know, not doing enough testing, not, uh, you know, uh, these are the issues which public health experts corrected. Better to take take bull by the horns and look at how the trends are. Increase the amount. We have been repeatedly advocating people that, you know, we shouldn't say 10 times, but we should test every a symptomatic person and of course contacts as per ICMR guidelines keep on the classical work on and uh, not leave it so we have definite expertise and uh, confidence to handle these things but I still feel as implementer I always feel in public health we have to be very very uh, guarded and cautious because we don't know uh, unless we constantly keep looking at the genomic uh, sequencing of the changes. Actually, we are eagerly waiting on uh, the analysis of daily cases. 
as to what has been the and here what we do is if a vaccinated person has a positive or a family has a positive or in a crowded area we randomly take or any other abnormal things you know those kind of criteria we take samples not samples for the sake of samples so that will be the guiding force but at present i still feel we need to take it by the week look at the weekly trends not at, uh, this is not a stage of panic but this is a stage where we need to be concerned about the rising figures in uh, certain parts of india and not be uh, over confident that nothing will happen so we have to do that and uh, keep on doing our drills and uh, expect the public to take up the uh, eligible people to take up the vaccinations and also follow improve the follow up of masking and social particularly uh, in the crowded uh, closed and uh, places and uh, places where we are likely to be in touch with contact especially i am very much concerned about hospital premises uh, uh, many of them are flouting the mask uh, uh, thing where you know you are uh, surrounded by people with infection so these are the areas which are constantly we need to keep uh, uh, refreshing the memory of people that would be both um, uh, you know uh, health personnel uh, frontline workers and also common people so all of us need to work as a team i'm sure honorable uh, chief minister also has been regularly reviewing this we keep getting inputs from government of india whether it is icmr or uh, ministry of health and family welfare uh, we will keep following this rather than having individual opinions right thank you so much uh, dr radhakrishnan i think uh, you know we have uh, over half an hour we have spent our time uh, wisely we have uh, an excellent uh, sort of input from both of you i'd like to thank both of you for coming on our show and sharing your insights with us and our readers thank you so much thank you ramend it's always a pleasure to also interact with you because you have been in the health sector from i think 98 99 from the time i have known and of course dr pradeep kaur has been a very big pillar of strength as the challenges have been there and she has been very frank and forthright in expressing her views which have been very useful for us to also keep correcting our courses Thank you, Ramya, for the opportunity, and thank you, sir, for for our collaboration, which has been very, I think, uh, fruitful, and it truly brings together the complementary strengths of uh, you know government of Tamil Nadu and ICMR. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you so much. Bye bye.